Greetings and welcome to the fourth episode here in uh, the weekly podcast of Stone and Zion. Today I will be playing for you my Reformation sermon. And uh, as you'll see, it's based off the gospel lesson, which really fits in well with uh, the anniversary of the Diet of Worms in seven, uh, I'm sorry, in fifteen. 21 April 18th Martin Luther took a stand and I understand we probably could have been celebrating this 500th anniversary back in April uh, I was aware of it back in April I just thought I would um, save this remembrance for Reformation Day which is usually the, the time of the year when we think about our Lutheran heritage um, of course our Lutheran heritage is something we could be thinking about all year long, um, as it's something that we really live in every day of our lives. But uh, especially uh, this time of year, and, and with it being on Reformation Day, I thought I would pay my tributes to that 500th anniversary today in my sermon, um, a very momentous event in the history of the world, yet really um, something nothing momentous at all. It was just a man um, doing what he was supposed to do, standing up for the truth. And it's still hopefully being done today. Uh, so without further ado, I'll put it on there. Well, actually, just a quick note here. If uh, you know, you'd know you like to spread this on and pass it along to more people, uh, make sure you, you share this in, in whatever ways you can. I'm going to be trying putting this in the church newsletter. If you came here because you saw it in the church newsletter, great. Welcome. Um, keep I'll be keep. Keep it coming and maybe including more things if I get more more people viewing it. All right, thanks, bye. Our gospel lesson for today, at least a portion of it, will serve as the text for our, our regular sermon. Allow me just to read that to you again from Mark chapter 13, just verse 9. Jesus said, You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. Your brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm sure he knew at least a little bit about the risk. But I think he was a naive optimist. He thought he could go and and give a defense of his faith. He thought he'd be given a, a chance to make a debate and to defend all the things that he had been saying. But the emperor did not call Martin Luther to that diet of, worm, of worms to have a discussion with him. Instead, he wanted Martin Luther to come there and to take it all back take everything back that he had written. See, Martin Luther had studied the scriptures. He had, had been digging into them in his cell as a, as a monk. And something amazing happened. He had been racked with guilt his whole life because he didn't think he could really be good enough. Even though he, he became a monk and he did everything he thought that he should do, he just still didn't think it was good enough. But then he read in scriptures that the righteous shall live by faith. And that changed his whole life. 
And he went out and he shared that message. That we are saved not by indulgences. We're not saved by good works. We're not saved by the church itself. We are saved by Jesus. Jesus alone. And that message got him in trouble. So the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire, the most powerful man living in the world at that time, said, Luther, come here. I want to talk to you. And it was kind of like a naughty child appearing before a teacher. Luther tried to say, well, this, but this, and this, and the emperor did not want to hear it. Nope, I want you to take it all back. In our gospel lesson, Jesus told his disciples that you will stand before governors and kings on account of me. Certainly here, we see in part at least the fulfillment of what Jesus had to say. That people would have to stand before God. That that whole experience where Martin Luther was called before the emperor. That happened on April 18th, 1521. 1521, right? It's uh, 2021 right now. It's an easy one to do the math on. That was 500 years ago exactly. Today, we are celebrating the 500th anniversary of that event. If Luther had said, okay, I take it all back, we wouldn't be here today. No, he said on that day, here I stand, and I can do no other. My conscience is bound. It is not right or healthy to go against my conscience. I will not take it back. And today, we're here together to take a stand on God's word. To stand on the truth of that message. On our own, we first had to take that word on our own and stand on it ourselves. But then we stand on it before the whole world. We first have to stand on it for ourselves, though, don't we? Imagine how terrifying that would have been to have to go and stand before the emperor. And at least he thought he was going to have to defend his faith. Imagine how nervous he would have been. Could you have been able to do that? Could you have looked the most important person in the world in the eyes and say, no, I'm not going to do what you want me to do? I don't know if many of us could do that, right? I think part of that is because, you know, maybe we don't have the knowledge that we would like to have about scriptures to to make a defense of it. You know, what if your boss said, I want you to give a presentation uh, next week on cryptocurrency? Or, you know, if you don't work, maybe, you know, your teacher says, I want you to uh, give, a, give a report on cryptocurrency. Or your friends want you to tell you all about it. Well, I think not many of us would probably be comfortable doing that, right? Because, you know, we maybe have heard about Bitcoin, but how many of us really totally understand it, right? It's pretty complicated. I I don't know. Kind of goes over my head, too. I think if I had to give uh, a talk about it, I'd want to learn more about it. And especially if, like, you know, the teacher says, well, I want you to, to now argue either for it or against it. Well, could you do that without knowing about it first? 
you'd have to spend a lot of time learning all about it. And then maybe, after you learned all about it, you could make a, an argument for it or against it or explain it to other people. And really, God's word is kind of the same way. Jesus is here telling you, he's essentially giving you the assignment that at some point in your life, you're going to have to make a defense of, the, of your faith. You're going to have to share your faith with someone else. And for a lot of people, that's pretty scary. Because maybe we don't really know enough about it. And who's to blame for that? I think it's important for us, before we can go out and make uh, a defense of our faith, before we can do that, we have to do what Martin Luther did. Study God's word. He had spent his uh, years before this pouring over the scriptures, sort of reopening things that had not been opened for hundreds of years, thinking about things that had been long forgotten. That message of salvation by faith. It's there in scripture. And it had been almost completely neglected. That idea of, of good works, of adherence to the church, and outward forms of religion. You know, uh, observances of special days or fastings, of praying to saints, and all those things had sort of pushed aside the message of Jesus Christ and salvation by grace alone, through faith alone. And that had been brought to life again through his study of the scriptures. And what a great way for us to celebrate that heritage by being people of the scriptures, by studying our word. And that, that comes by us being here together in church. It's a great way to hear what God has to tell us. But we can also take it home with us as we read our meditations, as we download the, the Bible app on our phones and, and listen to it while we're in the car, as we read it, it is a devotion with our family. There are so many ways for us to be in that word. What an encouragement then that is for us to be in that word because when you do, that's where that conviction comes in. Martin Luther was a man of conviction. He would not back down. He would not take it back. He would not recant. Because he knew what was true. And he also said there that his conscience forbid him from doing so. Think about your own conscience. Sometimes we go against our conscience, right? We know something isn't right. We know something is wrong. We know I should be doing this, but we don't do it. Or we know I know this isn't right. I shouldn't be doing it, but you know, it's just so convenient or it's what everyone else is doing. It's maybe what's expected of me. Peer pressure in school. There's temptations for us to go against our own conscience. And that's not a healthy thing to do. Because when you do that, you can dull your conscience. You know, you can push it down so far that you don't even have uh, that voice inside of you telling you, no, this isn't right, or you should be doing this. 
We can think of some examples of that in, in history of people who had dulled consciences. You go back to Germany in the last century. So many people turn a blind eye to the, to the Nazis. They had dulled their conscience and allow these horrible things to happen. Or in our own country, with slavery, so many people had dulled their consciences to do terrible, horrible things to other human beings. It's important for us to not go against our conscience, but to make sure that our consciences are based on God's word. See, that's important too. That our conscience is informed by God's word. That when we're in God's word, it will build up these convictions, and they're godly convictions. See, a lot of people out there who have strong feelings about one thing or another, that's not hard to find. You know, you just turn on the news and turn on, uh, read uh, all these different things. There's people who have strong feelings, but we need to make sure that our strong feelings, our convictions, are based on God's word, that they find their, their origin in there. And then we can be men and women of, of faith and children of, of the word. And we can stand on those scriptures and do nothing else. That's what Luther said. That was his message, that he could stand there and do nothing else. And that's true for us as well. As we, first of all, are convicted in our own hearts on this truth, we need to make this, this message of the Bible our own faith and grow in that faith and be strengthened in that faith. And then we can share that message with others. You know, Jesus, in our gospel lesson, said that you are going to go and speak before governors and kings on behalf of me. The gospel must go out to all nations. What a powerful thought that is. But the message of God has to go out to all people. And who can do that? Who has been given that task of sharing that message with others? It's easy to say, well, that's someone else's job. Someone else who maybe you know, knows more about it. Someone else who's, who's older. You know, if you're a, a child, it's easy to think, well, that's an adult's job. And when you're becoming an adult, well, that's someone else's job. But really, God has given this job to all of us. In a sense, we all are being called to stand before others. I think that pretty much everyone in this world knows a Christian. Right? You know, you go different foreign countries across the world. Almost everybody probably knows a Christian. For that person then, that Christian that they know, is their one window to God. You might be that one window to God for someone in your life. You can be that, that person who shares Christ and his love. And we don't have to you know, hit people over the head with it. When a person is sad, when they're looking for something, you can share that love of Jesus with them. This is a purpose that God has given to all of us in our lives. You know, this, this past week I was reading an article 
and was talking about the keys to happiness in this life. And it wasn't really a Christian article at all. I was just talking about how people in general can be happy. And one of the main things that it said there was purpose. That a person is happy on this earth when they have a purpose. And isn't that true? When you have a, a purpose in life that gives you something to, to live for, to strive for. And I think we all have many different purposes. You know, if you work in the food industry, whether you're a farmer or, you know, you work in a factory making food, well, you can think, well, one of my purposes is to feed the nation, right? Or feed the world. And that's a good purpose, right? If you're a, a father or a mother or a grandma or a grandpa, you've got a purpose there too, to be a positive influence in that, that other person's life. You can be uh, a way to bring that person to hear God's word and be a connection to them. That's your purpose. I think all of us can find our purposes in God. I think Jesus here is giving us a purpose when he says that the gospel must go to all nations. As we can do that in our lives, one person to another. Now, I know it's not easy. And I think Jesus knew that too, right? I mean, he even kind of touches on the elephant in the room. Like, who wants to do that? Who wants to be the one to, to share that faith? That, what if the person doesn't want to hear what I have to say? What if I don't know what to say? What if they reject me? Well, Jesus even tells us what to do. He says here in our, in our text, whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time. For it is not you speaking the Holy Spirit. God will give you the words to say. Don't worry. Now, how is he going to do that? Well, I think in a couple of ways. I mean, he could do it miraculously, right? Just give you the words to say. And I think there's been times where I've maybe witnessed that in my life, where running out of things to say, and then all of a sudden the Lord gives you something to say. Or I think it could also come through Osmosis. You know what osmosis is, right? You know, it's that concept when you, you take some dried raisins and you put them in a glass of water, they, they get filled with water again, right? The water goes through, kind of permeates through the, the skin. When we put ourselves in a glass of God's word, when we surround ourselves with the scriptures, it permeates us through osmosis. You know, whatever we put ourselves in, whatever we surround ourselves in, that, that kind of changes who we are. So if you surround yourself by, by hate, well, people tend to be filled with hate then, right? If you fill yourself with, or surround yourself by all sorts of other terrible things, those terrible things permeate. When we fill ourselves, we surround ourselves by God's word. Through osmosis, through... Through God's word, that, that word it permeates into our lives and changes who we are. And it gives us those words then to speak. Your brothers and sisters in Christ, 500 years ago, this year, 
a man took a stand. And in many ways, it was a big deal, but in many ways, it wasn't at all. It was just one example of Christians who have stood on the truth. And it's something that is continuing to happen every day. May that continue to be in our lives. Now, as we stand on the truth of God's word, may that be how we live our lives. People of conviction for what God has to say to us in his gospel. May that be our conviction until the day comes when the Lord takes us to be with him for all eternity in heaven. Until that day comes, say amen. Please rise. Now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.